KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. What would you do if you were from Ukraine and you're seeing these sort of things every single day for the last two weeks? Oh, Jay, I don't know. I I've thought about that too, and I don't have an answer. I don't think that I would be bold and brave enough and honestly physically strong enough to go and fight. I'm sure I would find some kind of way to, you know, maybe go to the west of the country, get to the border and try to help people get across. But I'm afraid that my instinct would be to get out of there. And I think that's a very reasonable reaction, too. But then there are so many people who are amazingly brave enough to actually fight back. That's fight or flight turned up to a thousand. Are you a going to stand and fight, stay in this country? Just the natives, the people who are already there, the ones who are staying and fighting. I'm not sure if I'd be able to do that, to be honest. It just it just makes me so nervous. It's so weird to think about this. But there are men who are out there from this area who are in Ukraine right now doing those exact things. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd Circa. And John McDevitt is going to join us. He spent the last couple of days talking to people in Philadelphia's Ukrainian community who have headed back over to help their home country. So that conversation is coming up a little bit later on. And this war has, is stretched out and it has so many tentacles. It's like an octopus. There's tentacles of this thing all over the place. And that includes the ban on Russian oil. And it's not just affecting the gas prices. A lot of people use gas or oil to heat their homes. Yeah, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the price of electricity in across Pennsylvania has gone up about 9%. The price of natural gas up about 20%. So uh, yeah, it's not just you. It's not that you're using more. It's the price going up. But luckily, there are some things that can help. We have the Low Income Energy Assistance Program, or you may know it as LIHEAP, of course. PICO and PGW also have their own customer assistance programs. You can also find an energy coordinating agency center near you. Some of them even have free oil. They will help you walk through all of those resources. We also have a story, of course, on our website, kywnewsradio.com, with links to all of this stuff. And while we understand that your heating bill will eventually come down as the weather warms up, it's struggling to do that right now in the Philadelphia area, but it eventually will. Unfortunately, you know also what happens when the weather starts to warm up. Out come the bugs. They start crawling out from underneath whatever rocks they were living under during the winter. And guess what, East Coast? We could be getting a new visitor, a new eight-legged friend known as the Joro spider. It's a spider that can be as big as the palm of your hand. That is a big pile of nope for me. No, thank you. I would prefer not. Um, To be fair, it, it is important to note that if these things do come to our area, they're actually not dangerous. They can't even bite humans. So this is not like the dreaded spotted lanternfly where, well, they can't hurt humans either, but people are saying to kill them. People, experts are just saying that if these spiders do show up, you just should learn to live with them. But I feel like a lot of people are, are uh, not going to want to just learn to live with these fist-sized spiders. I've got decent-sized hands. Imagine a spider of this <laughs> size coming at you. Or, or you remember the spotted lanternflies? People were stepping on those things left and right, so you're looking down on the ground. It's littered with them. So imagine those things squished out on a on a sidewalk. Right. And this is this is not guaranteed. Some experts are skeptical of this study that was done at the University of Georgia. So, you know, we heard about murder hornets, and they never made their way over here, knock on wood. So 
We, we don't know. We don't know. Maybe it's fine. So you're so we have to at least be sure. We we don't know if the Joro spider is coming to pay us a visit. But be warned, just in case. Hey, you can't say we didn't tell you that the spider was on his way in here. So you, you don't go blaming us. We've also got a rather, I would say, uh, important basketball game happening this evening. Dave Uram joins us. Dave, uh, is there anything in particular happening at the Wells Fargo Center tonight we should be concerned with? There's a guy named Ben Simmons. Not sure uh, if I've heard of him. There's a guy named Ben Simmons who is in town, Jay. There is video footage of him already out this morning at the Wells Fargo Center uh, for net shoot-around. And he is here he is not playing tonight, but he is expected to be on the Brooklyn Nets bench, which, as you know, Jay, will lead to a lot of attention on that Nets bench and a lot of uh, booing and hopefully appropriately maybe some other things directed towards <laughs> that bench. It should be just a pleasant evening in South Philadelphia. Now, you were out in Camden at practice yesterday, mm-hmm. and it sounded like Doc Rivers wasn't trying to make a big deal about this game. He was trying to go the it's-just-another-game route. But yeah. what about some of the players? Like, what are some of Ben's former teammates saying about this? George Niang in particular um, who's this is his first season with the Sixers, so his experience with Ben is the saga. It's not anything before that. George Niang in particular, he he said the most on this yesterday. He knows what he did or what, what he had to do to get himself right, and whether that's right or wrong or indifferent, uh, that's not my place to, to speak on. Obviously, I have my thoughts about that, but I mean... If he's happy where he's at, then then let him be happy. We're, we're happy that we have guys in this locker room that want to be here. When somebody says, I have thoughts about that, <laughs> that see, that, that that's the key part of that bite. When somebody says, I have thoughts about that, but doesn't really share those thoughts, it means that he wants to criticize the situation. There's a whole podcast waiting to happen with him, just basically right. expressing how he feels. Now, the other thing about this game is it's timing. We're not. We're just two years away, or two years past the day that the right. NBA shut down. Infamously, that game in Oklahoma City with the Thunder and the Jazz mm-hmm. that eventually led to just the wholesale shutdown of sports, not just here in the United States, but around the world due to COVID. Now, Doc Rivers was coaching the Los Angeles Clippers when that happened a couple of years ago, and he shared a couple of thoughts on this too. It tested every single person, not just the NBA. Uh, but people lost jobs, businesses went out of business, uh, people are now working again, new businesses are opening, you know, restaurants closed, new restaurants are opening. Just so much happened. I mean, I moved to Philadelphia last year and the city's closed. And so I'm still learning the city, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's still, we're still going through it, kind of. We're, we're coming out of it. Um, but it just tells you how resilient not just Americans, just resilient people are. It's been two years, but uh, there's been a lot of progress in two years. And and in particularly for me, the thing that I've recognized about live sports over the past two years, it's always been deemed a distraction. Sports in general has always been deemed a distraction, the ultimate unifier. Um, and I've really recognized that over the past two years, because even even today, and especially when live sports came back, those three hours a night are a distraction from everything that's going on. The Absolutely. Pa- the pandemic that still is, it still exists. COVID still exists. Um, it's a distraction to everything. And it, live sports are so important. And I'm never going to take it for granted ever again. 
Dave Uram, thank you so much again, man. We really appreciate it. Always appreciate coming on the John Cast, Jay. Now we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll hear more about some Philadelphia residents who are traveling to Ukraine to help as this war carries on. That's coming up in a minute. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. And John McDevitt has just put together a really powerful feature on a group of Philadelphians who are dual citizens here in the United States as well as in Ukraine. Now, you can find that on kywnewsradio.com. Now, John's joining us to talk about this. And John, your story begins with a really powerful quote. If I have to fight, I will fight. That quote set the stage for your piece. Put all this into context for us and tell us about the emotional and moral dilemma that Ukrainians here in the Philadelphia area are grappling with during this invasion. Yeah, Jay, I spoke with a 37-year-old Feasterville man uh, in Bucks County. Uh, We agreed to call him Sasha for this story. He didn't want us to divulge his identity for safety reasons. He's going to the Ukraine by way of Warsaw, Poland this weekend. Uh, He was born in the Ukraine, raised there, and, and then came here. He feels that it's his duty to help the people of his homeland. His parents are here in the U.S., uh, but his sister and other family members and friends are still there. He is paying his own way. He's planning on staying with family there. Well, he has dual citizenship, but the interesting part of this is that he's going to be using his Ukrainian passport. So because men 18 and 60 over there, they're not allowed to leave the country, and uh, that will include him. It kind of like felt like, Right now, there are like people dying and fighting, especially reading on news, like when people just, you know, facing uh, Russian military with like you know, a civilian without you know any weapon, but they're they have courage to do so. I have friends over there. I have relatives. I have sister over there. So I kind of like felt that I should be there as well, and that you know, if if I don't go, I might regret it for the rest of my life. That you know, when when Ukraine needed every person you know, to fight uh, or do whatever you can, like, to help Ukraine, uh, you know, I didn't do it. Sasha wants to use his brain to help Ukraine, he says. He's not signing up, if you will, for combat. He isn't sure what he'll be doing over there, but he wants to be more um, mathematical, more science-based, and and, uh, organizational, uh, uses organizational skills to help his homeland. So uh, he also says that, You know, sure, he wants to do that, but uh, he will fight if need be. Now, in addition to Sasha, you also spoke with the wife of a man from Bucks County who also went to Ukraine with two other men. Now, one of those other men is her father. What is their story? Yulia Penchak of Langhorn. She is home tracking her family members who are now in western Ukraine. They include her 42-year-old husband, Andrei Penchak, her father, 62-year-old Valentin Drobaka, and their family friend, 45-year-old Yasil Cullen. They left uh, uh, last week. Uh, community members, businesses, family friends, they all donated money for supplies for the men to bring to Ukraine. So this is a, not just these three men and, 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 and Yulia. This is a, a community effort. They're there to bring supplies, and they have accomplished that. Uh, they brought uh, 32 bags with them 
at about 50 pounds each. So I think when I was calculating it, it was about 250 kilograms per person. So quite a lot of um, items. And I've already sent other people who were going, I, I added bags to their luggage to get to, get to them. So that's been accomplished. But um, they have told me that if they need to, you know, if they need to do other things, such as, you know, carry guns, then they would do that. I'm just hoping it doesn't have to come to that. These three men, they are um, they were offered a car by a uh, Ukrainian American who lives in New Jersey. Uh, so the car was over there, obviously, and they gave them the keys uh, right before they left. So they're using this vehicle and uh, they're taking it, they're driving it uh, all across the, the western part of the country. Uh, they're also driving women and children to the border. They, uh, the men, you know, have U.S. passports. They will be able to leave the country, unlike Sasha. So these people don't have formal combat training. These are not like veterans. These are not guys who've, who've been out at war before. Were they at all fearing for their safety running into a very active combat zone? No, they, they, they're, of course, concerned. And, of course, that they are, they are worried. However, they didn't hesitate. It's a call for duty for them. They, they feel connected to Ukraine, uh, even though they don't live, yet, live there. But uh, they were born there. Their family is there. Uh, love of family, country, and 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 it's it's just amazing. Uh, this effort and also culture is is what uh, is driving them. Let's go back to Yulia Pinchak. Her husband and father are both over there. They have three kids together. She's got a job. They've got a whole life here in the United States. Let's hear a little bit from her and find out how she's doing. I am very concerned. I keep telling them not to post pictures anywhere, but but they don't listen to me. So I'm concerned for, you know, for their safety for, just because of that. But, you know, they, they know what they're doing. So I'm not I'm not questioning it too much. She mentioned there she keeps telling them not to post pictures. How is she staying in touch with them? Yeah. You know, you think it's a, you know, a war zone and, you know, communication is not getting through, but that's not the case. They have iPhones, you know, uh, she tracks them on GPS, uh, even when, you know, the time difference, she knows when they're still and that's when they should be sleeping. And, you know, she is keeping a track. She goes to work. She has this huge effort going on, raising money and, and, and buying supplies and, and finding people that are going over there and sending these items over there for, for the people who are, who are staying in their country. And she said they're not leaving. You know, people aren't, not everybody is leaving. They're, people are defending their land. You know, we're talking, this is mainly Western part of, of the Ukraine. And, and you know, the main uh, uh, war efforts are going on, uh, of course, uh, near Kiev and, and other places. So modern technology is how they're keeping uh, connected. Yeah, there is a great sense of family. It's a huge network. Now, there's the obvious question. And it's not one you really want to ask, but what if, what if any of these men are in a situation where they have to decide whether or not to fight? Like they, they get there and they realize this is it. This is the biggest crossroads of their lives. How do they feel about this? Like, is there sort of like a mental conflict in all this? What's going on with that? You know, it's interesting. Um, of course, that that is always there and it is an uncomfortable subject. A lot of people don't want to face mortality but you know these are not these are people that are smart they're reacting first but they also have a lot of knowledge of the people and the land and i asked sasha 
does he have faith? And he faith within my country, faith within uh, my people. You know, it, it was more for him a call for duty, responsibility. And even though he didn't have religious faith, his moral character was so strong. Getting back to the uh, Penchaks, Yulia's husband, when he was leaving, he told the three children, he didn't tell them goodbye. He said, I'll see you later. That's very telling, too. It's like there are all of these responsibilities, duties, you know, within these individuals, and, and, and there's great distances, but all very connected and all very important and all like a big circle that he he will see his children again. Just we just need to do this for for a little while and we'll be back and it's just what we have to do kind of a thing. And it's just amazing. It's just just amazing to, you know, kind of scratch the surface of, of these stories. John, the U.S. government has been so careful to not get involved in any military sense. They don't want people going there, certainly not to fight. And there's, of course, the fear that Putin could see any fighting as an escalation and then come back and retaliate against America. Is that a fear that any of these people have? Yeah, that, that is very much a factor. Russia is is warning foreign fighters that they will be treated as mercenaries and, and not protected under the uh, combatant international law. And then, you know, people I spoke with and that I have uh, researched are saying, well, Russia isn't abiding by international law when it comes to civilians and, and things of that nature. So, you know, how much trust can they have in what they say? So I think it's kind of like, you know, like rules that are set or things that are heard and, and ideals that are said, but are they real? Like, are they enforced? Are they, you know, are people just saying things to just say them because that's what they should say? And it's hard to really imagine, even with the whole thing about the rules of engagement, it gets so murky dumping into all this. Sasha spoke to you, John, about one thing that happens to scare him. When Putin will eventually figure out that things don't go as he plans and he, I'm pretty much sure Ukraine will win, uh, Russia will have to withdraw. But then after that, he'll probably try to, you know, remain in power in Russia. What I'm afraid we'll live in the world was weak leaders. They don't want to take any actions. They don't want to take any responsibility. That nobody will actually, he's not going to be held uh, responsible for all the crimes and a lot of people uh, of his regime responsible for, for the crime, for crimes um, and this war in Ukraine. And he will just build another strong army. He will probably learn on his failure in Ukraine and, you know, we'll have something worse, far worse than what we have right now. What's the end game for Sasha and others who are headed over to Ukraine to help? Like, how long are they planning on staying there? And let's just assume they're trying to get out of the country. Would they even be able to get out of the country if they were able to? You know, Sasha's case is a little different. Um, you know, he knows that he's going to be using his Ukrainian passport. So he will have to stay there because he is now, you know, he is, uh, a, you know, a Ukrainian citizen. So, you know, he doesn't know how long he will stay there. Uh, his job here is going to be kept for him for three months. And he said he's hoping to be able to return to that job. But the, the war effort continues Longer than that, he won't. So, you know, his life will, will will change. Not only if he does encounter combat or, you know, that whole effort and, and, and danger, he now would have to reinvent himself, but he's not, he wasn't really concerned about that at all. He was concerned with going there and helping the people of Ukraine. 
other people do plan to return. I, you know, I, I told you about the other men from Bucks County that are going. And, you know, Andre Penchak, he, he didn't say goodbye to his kids. He said, see you later. He's planning to return. He has a U.S. passport along with his father-in-law and his friend. They're going to go deliver these supplies, you know, help where they can with, with transportation. And then they don't they don't know when they're going to come back, but they just kind of have to do this for now. Um, none of these people seem to be worried about, you know, when they come back. They'll just pick it, pick that up when they come back. That's kind of where, where they stand. And, and I don't think they're going in with what happens. But they do know that, you know, particularly Sasha, you know, they can get in deep militarily wise at some point. And I think they all know the risks, but I think they're definitely fighting for freedom and, you know, their homeland. What else were you enlightened to doing a piece on people who are putting everything else here in the United States to the side to go help their homeland? It just shows, you know, like this whole, the, the strength of the Ukrainian American community in our region that just because they are separated by distance from the Ukraine, they live here now, their connection is still very, very strong. I went to Ukrainian school here in the United States. I, I sent my kids to Ukrainian daycare. Uh, we celebrate all the Ukrainian holidays. Uh, we go to Ukraine as much as we can. My kids have been to Ukraine this past summer. But what has happened right now uh, since the war started, I don't know. I feel like our blood is boiling. Uh, I feel like we can do things that we could never think we could do. That is all happening to me because of this pride and this injustice that is happening. And if I could be there, I would probably doing, you know, be doing the same thing. And that's everybody. That's not just me. That's not just my family. You know, it's just interesting to see there is some guarding of certain things, but once they get talking about their mission, their stories, why they're doing it, 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 it all makes sense after a while that they're, they're just coming together and protecting what, what's theirs. It's KYW's John McDevitt, and this incredible story can be found on our website, kywnewsradio.com, so you can find out more about Sasha's story and about the stories of those people who are risking it all. They're risking a lot to go back over to Ukraine to defend their homeland in the midst of this invasion. John, thank you so much for joining us to tell us just this amazing story. Thanks, Jay. You can, of course, find John on Twitter at JM1060 on Twitter, or of course, on KWNewsRadio.com. That's all for today. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Zirka. We thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Have a good one. <laughs>